Well, it is good to be here with you today. I was told I could make an announcement. That's my announcement. Would you pray with me? Father God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you that this day and this weekend, nationally, we call it Thanksgiving weekend. And it's a weekend that we give thanks. And there's all kinds of things that around this room we would all have reasons to give thanks. The list would be long. It would be a list that could take us all day to write if each of us was to share all of the things that we are thankful for. I think of the old song, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. Lord, we could count our blessings all day and and not be able to finish them before the day's end came upon us. We truly have much to be thankful for. But Father, as we enter into this Thanksgiving weekend, may we remember that we have one thing that is above all things to be thankful for, and that is that you sent your son Jesus to come to earth to take our place on a cross that we might have a relationship with you that would last for eternity. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. And I pray that this weekend, Lord, as we celebrate as a nation, that we will give you much praise in the way that we show with our grateful hearts. May you be glorified through our words this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's not too late. Have you ever met someone that, or heard about someone that is really bad? Now, I mean really bad. When I say that, I don't mean they are really swag or cool or good. I mean really evil. They're bad. Have you ever met someone you looked at and you maybe said to yourself something like this, there is no hope for that person. They, are, they just bleed evil. How about a ruler of a country who is so evil that he leads his entire nation into evil acts? In fact, what if this morning that ruler was to walk through that door and, and do a destruction in this place. And he would take carven images and place them around the room in here and invite the nation to come into this place and to worship those images. In fact, he would encourage them to do vile and evil things in the house of the Lord. What if that person was a parent and they led their children down a path of destruction? We had a great baby dedication this morning. Little Isabel came up and we dedicated her to the Lord. Can you imagine that kind of parent that would lead little Isabel down a road of destruction? That they are so evil as a parent, that they would take the very life of their child and sacrifice them before the gods of this age. As a parent, 
I can't imagine that. Can you? Today we are going to look at that person. God tells us about this evil person so that we might learn something about the character of our God. I know that many of you today in this room are parents, and we have that in common. You all know that someone who might say to you that parenting, that's easy. You know that that person is is either delusional or they're not a parent. Okay? The mission of parenting is overwhelming at times. As a father of ten, sometimes Ann and I wonder how are we going to just simply get through the day. Do you ever feel that way? It's so easy to lose sight of why God created our families. God has given you children so that you might do with all your power to impress upon their hearts a love for God and equip them to impact this world for Christ. But it doesn't end there. How often do you think of your grandchildren? or your great-grandchildren who are yet to be born? Are you praying for them? Are you thinking of them? Are you thinking of the decisions that you're making today is going to have an impact on that generation? Everything that is happening in your home right now is building a generational legacy that will ripple through your family for generations to come. But what can we do if we didn't grow up in a Christian home? We weren't given a good example. We had maybe an evil parent, maybe not as bad as the one I've mentioned so far, but they just really didn't live life well in front of me. What if we had little or no spiritual legacy given to us? In that case, you may be called to be the turnaround generation. Again this morning, we are going to hear about such a turnaround. One of the most dramatic family legacy transformations is found in 2 Chronicles chapter 33. Would you turn in your Bibles there with me? And I know you have a Bible in your pew, and if I had gotten here and did what I told myself to do, I would have looked it up and I could have told you what page to turn to. But I didn't do that. I'm sorry. So you have to find it on your own. And then would you pray with me as we get ready to read from God's word as we hear from him this morning. Father, this is your word and it's all about you. And you have a message for us today to hear. You have a message for us to take to heart. You have given us this word that it might transform us, that it might change us, that it might be real in us. It might make a difference in everything that we do. And I pray that this morning, Lord, as we look at your word, that we will see that there's a word for us personally in it. There's something for each person in this room to hear today. And Lord, what they do with that will be their response to you. And I pray that we will even see in today's 
message, today's word given to us, is that we can see that there is always two responses that are given to us as you teach us in your word. One that listens and obeys and one that doesn't and suffers some consequences. I pray that today, Lord, we will listen, that we will have ears to hear and a heart to respond to you today, that our answers will be, yes, Lord, I want to do what you have for me today. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Would you open your Bibles there to Second Chronicles chapter 33? We're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to go through verse 9 to start with. Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 55 years in Jerusalem. And he did what was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. For he rebuilt the high places that his his father, Hezekiah, had broken down. And he erected altars to the Baals and made Asheroth and worshipped all the hosts of heaven and served them. And he built altars in the house of the Lord, of which the Lord had said, In Jerusalem shall my name be forever. And he built altars for all the hosts of heaven in the two courts of the house of the Lord. And he burned his sons as an offering in the valley of Son and in the valley of the son of Hinnom, and used fortune telling and omens and sorcery, and dealt with mediums and with necromancers. He did much evil in the sight of the Lord, provoking him to anger. And the carved image of the idol that he had made, he set in the house of God, of which God said to David and to Solomon his son, In this house, in in Jerusalem, which I have chosen out of all the tribes of Israel, I will put my name forever. And I will no more remove the foot of Israel from the land that I appointed for your fathers, if only they will be careful to do all that I have commanded them, all the law and the statutes and the rules given through Moses. Manasseh led Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem astray to do more evil than the nations whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. Here we have King Manasseh introduced to us. And we see his actions. Wow. How bad can it get? King Manasseh was only 12 years old when he became king. How do you think your child might do if he or she was put as ruler of your country and said they're in charge now, 12 years old? How would they do? How about you? How would you have done when you were 12? As king of Judah, he worshipped idols and told the people of Judah and Jerusalem to do the same. He brought idols into the temple of God and practiced witchcraft. As hard as this is to believe, he sacrificed his own sons to his demonic gods. Look at this next verse with me, verse 10. The Lord spoke to Manasseh and to his people, but they paid no attention. The Lord spoke to Manasseh. Listen up. 
king, I have a word for you. But they paid no attention. Now we thought it was bad before what Manasseh did. Now the God who created the Lord of heaven and earth has spoken. The God of all power and might is speaking to you. Are you paying no attention? What does a sovereign and just God do? What is God's response to Manasseh's actions? Let's pick it up. Verse 11. Therefore the Lord brought upon them the commanders of the army of the king of Assyria, who captured Manasseh with hooks and bound him with chains of bronze and brought him to Babylon. Eventually, God brought great judgment against Manasseh. And he was taken prisoner into Assyria. His life came crashing down all around him. Now, if you're anything like me, you might be thinking something like this. He got what he deserves. End of story. And if we stop there, we have missed out on an amazing story because the Bible records here a real miracle takes place next. Look at this with me in verse 12 and 13. And when he was in distress, he entreated the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his fathers. He prayed to him, and God was moved by his entreaty and heard his plea and brought him again to Jerusalem into his kingdom. Then Manasseh knew that the Lord was God. Here we see Manasseh's response and our merciful God's response. We see Manasseh's reaction, I mean, to what God had done and our merciful God's response. Manasseh repented. And we see a merciful God at work providing forgiveness. Look at what happens next in verses 15 through 20 with me. And he took away the foreign gods and the idol from the house of the Lord and all the altars that he had built on the mountain of the house of the Lord and in Jerusalem, and he threw them outside of the city. He also restored the altar of the Lord and offered on it sacrifices of peace offerings and of thanksgiving. And he commanded Judah to serve the Lord, the God of Israel, Nevertheless, the people still sacrifice at the high places, but only to the Lord their God. Now the rest of the acts of Manasseh and his prayer to his God and the words of the seers who spoke to him in the name of the Lord, the God of Israel, behold, they are in the chronicles of the kings of Israel. And his prayer and how God was moved by his entreaty and how all his sin and his faithlessness and the sites on which he built high places and set up the ashram and the images before he humbled himself, behold, they are all written in the chronicles of the seers. So Manasseh slept with his fathers, and they buried him in his house. And Amon, his son, reigned in his place. Now we see 
the fruit of Manasseh's repentance and his new action. For the last five years of Manasseh's life, he became a man on a mission. He tore down all the pagan altars that he had built. He called the people to repent just as he had done and to serve the Lord. It's possible that the person that was most dramatically affected by Manasseh's repentance and his radical and the radical pursuit of pleasing God was his grandson, Josiah. Josiah was only one year old when his grandfather turned from his sin. From the age of one to six, Josiah saw his grandfather worshiping God, tearing down places of idol worship, and preaching or pleading with the people to follow God and God alone. Josiah needed that example from Manasseh because he would become king at the tender age of eight. Manasseh's repentance blessed his grandson Josiah, and Josiah continued his grandfather's mission to call the people of Israel back to God. Josiah became one of the most godly kings and important kings in the history of Israel. And he was launched into that incredible life of serving God through the spiritual leadership of his grandfather. What can we learn from Manasseh about the God of history in this story? We can learn that he is powerful and he is mighty. We can learn that he is holy and just and he is a judge. And he is sovereign and he is merciful. Have you ever committed a terrible sin in your life? I have. Our actions. Let's talk about that for a a moment. According to the scriptures, we have all sinned and we fall short of the glory of God. Our actions deserve death and separation from a holy God. Our sovereign and just God's response is to provide forgiveness. Isaiah 53, 6, it says, We have all gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on him as he was prophesying about his very son who would take away the sin of man. Romans 6.23, for the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 5a, but God demonstrates his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Our sovereign and just God's response is to provide forgiveness. Consider Manasseh, his sins, his repentance, and God's forgiveness. No matter what kind of family you have grown up in or how you have lived your life up to this moment, it is not too late to repent and to turn to God. Jesus Christ came to earth to pay a price for the for the sins that we have committed. He, being God, gave his life for us. Sin separates us from a holy and righteous God. Sin's penalty is death and eternal separation from God. But Jesus came to die on a cross, and he was buried, and on the third day he rose again to provide for us a way to have our sins forgiven. Our reaction 
to this news. We can either ignore it and suffer the consequences accordingly. Or we can, as Manasseh did, repent. We must put our trust in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sin. This is God's way. And who are we to not pay attention to the God of the universe? A merciful God responds to our repentance is forgiveness. So our action, as Manasseh had after he responded to God and repented, there was actions that followed him for those last five years of his life. If we respond to the message of Jesus Christ and we come to faith in him and him alone, then our life should start showing some action on the other side of that salvation. It should start saying there's a difference in who I am because of Jesus. Our salvation is never, ever based upon our works. But our salvation should change who we are. Our action to the grace and the mercy of God and, and our commitment to, the love, to love God and to follow his word can establish a spiritual legacy that will ripple through your family for generations to come. We are here today to say, let's make a difference. Let's make a difference in this generation and in the generation to come. We can all make much of God. We can glorify his name. We can all be Christ-exalting, Bible-saturated, gospel-centered, doctrinally sound, faith-filled, mission-minded, justice-pursuing, Christ-treasuring men and women and children who have placed our trust in God through Jesus Christ. It's not too late to make a difference in the next generation. But to do so, we must be intentional. We must get our life right with God as the first step. Our repentance can lead to a godly heritage. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for the hope that we see in the life of Manasseh. Father, we, we read his story and we, we start it off and we think, this man is so evil. He is one that bleeds evilness. Father, he is one that is the one that we would say, Lord, I can't even imagine hope for such an individual. And you demonstrate to us that you are more powerful than the evil that we see in this world. You're a God that is willing to show mercy and forgiveness and provide for us in a way that we don't deserve. That's your grace. Father, I pray that today as we have looked at Manasseh's life and we see his actions and then your response and then his reaction to that and then your response to his repentance, that it might be a lesson for us and that we recognize that we all are sinners, that we are all set on a path to destruction, that 
It doesn't matter the degree of our sin. It still needs forgiveness. And that you have responded with providing a way, a way for us to have a relationship with, with you. And you're waiting for our reaction to that. Lord, may we today not be one that runs from that or says, I can ignore that. But may we be ones that say, yes, Lord, I need to receive that gift that you have given. I need to repent of my sins before a holy and righteous God, and I need that forgiveness in my life. And then may we be ones who have made that commitment to, to be your children and to be followers of Christ. Lord, may we recognize that our life is now to be an example to the world all around us. And that the world is watching. They might not be speaking, but they are watching. As, as neighbors, as, as people we work with, as people we go to school with, and they hear that we're a follower of Christ, how are we different than what they have to offer? May we offer hope. May we offer peace. May we offer them the truth of who Jesus Christ is, I pray in Jesus' name.